extra, extra, Meg Whitman and Jeffrey Katzenberg, the co-CEOs of the now-doomed short-form video-sharing service Quibi, are making a joint announcement on the future of the company. Bury me with my golden heart. See it. I will bury you with your golden heart. Hello and welcome back to Trash Future, the podcast you're listening to right now. It is me, Riley. I am also seeing Milo. Hello, it's me, your boy. Um, I'm very, I'm very sad about the demise of uh, of the quib. Yeah, the quibs. Uh, I've seen quibs you people wouldn't believe. <laughs> Chrissy Tigan on fire off the shoulder of Orion. Yeah, where we're and going, the, we a golden won't arm glinting in the, the in the Tannhauser Gate. But that will soon be lost, like quibs in rain. Yes, that's right. Uh, with Milo getting eighty percent of that quote, yeah. more or less right. Time to refinancialize. Um, um, we also have Hussein. Uh, Hussein, what is your favorite quib that you remember from the hi- heydays of Quibi, and how will you be commemorating the company? Uh, um, well, my favorite show was Chrissy Teigen's Chrissy's Court, uh, so I'm not sure what I'm going to do without that. All I can say is that, once again, Nancy Pelosi has gotten her own way. She's packed Chrissy's Court. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, this is, this is once again another example of Joe Biden's uh, leftist agenda uh, to, get, to give more and more power to family courts and away from the true neutral judge of our society, Chrissy Teigen. Mm, yes. And ex- and excited we are uh, for Biden to pack the court uh, with the uh, stars of failed Quibi shows. Um, and uh, we also have Alice, yes. the golden quib. I will be wearing a poppy this November, but only in memory of memory, only in golden remembrance poppy. of Quibi. Um, yeah, fuck right. the troops! No, this is this is the sacrifice that I care about. Is there's no more quibs. There's no more quibs. I know. And because no there were no share... It is pulmonary gall disease. I, I just got <laughs> yeah, quib- three of these drops. I can hit you with the golden arm at any time. Yeah. yeah. These uh, days... Quibs! Quibs! Yeah. <laughs> these days you can't even go to the loo and have a pie and a nonce and watch a quib without being arrested. Yeah. These days you um, can't even eat a pie out of a toilet bowl. <laughs> Yeah. That's well, right. Back, back when I was growing up, it was, you only could have one. It was, it was a quibus then. Yeah. Uh, and... Uh, thank, thank you, uh, Latin Baz. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and love, love Latin. Eight goals. <laughs> Simple as. No, don't like it. There's the, there's the alpines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't like it. Go to Germania. <laughs> yeah, he's coming over here from Cappadocia. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, yeah, you fucking, when they drink that frothy coffee or whatever over there. <laughs> This Mithridates mob, all right. <laughs> if he thinks he's, if he thinks he's so hard, yeah. Please, I'm begging you. Parthians coming yeah. over here illegally on yeah. boats. <laughs> I like my taverna. I'll yeah. Go down the taverna, have some garum. Yeah, we don't want you. With we the don't... collegium, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're playing, trying to play some bones. Some some Carthaginian knobhead comes in with fucking elephants. Said you can't bring them in here, gov. <laughs> <laughs> and we are tr- the birth- I flipped him to V and he went, five what? <laughs> 
I got a little shed, yeah, outside the capital line, and uh, I make non-lethal uh, gladius. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big wooden gladius for yeah. use in the Imperial Guard. Yeah, for use in uh, putting down um, a Iceni revolt in uh, Britannia. <laughs> And we're joined uh, by Professor Grace Lavery. <laughs> by academic and author uh, Grace Lavery, uh, lately of this parish. Uh, mm. Grace, welcome to uh, TF, the podcast where we stay laser focused. Thank you. W- what's a quib? Quib? Play the theme song twice. Fuck okay. <laughs> is, is, okay. It a, is it an item on, on the quibby? Yes, yes, oh, it yes, stood for yes. quick I've, bites, and you had like ten, t- a ten-minute segment of like drama or reality shows or whatever. Uh, but the quality ah. of the writing was such that they would be like the tests have come in that is pulmonary gall disease. The, that was that was about a woman who had like, a golden prosthetic gold arm. Disease. Yeah, she had yeah. a golden prosthetic arm, and she wouldn't stop Whoa. wearing the golden prosthetic arm, even though oh, I thought it that, was... that was from the Frank Sinatra movie, but I couldn't remember it. <laughs> yeah, the man with the golden arm, on which Quibi. is a great yeah. movie, obviously. Premier yeah. is uh, finest. No, but uh, we are we are memorializing Quibi with our our first segment, <laughs> the two point seven five billion dollar company. Uh, that failed to uh, revolutionize, or as they said, um, rebrand idle time is the the phrase they actually used. Mm. That, that failed to do so uh, because ultimately it was founded on the cynici- a combination of cynicism and arrogance. Yeah, but both the union wild- busting and also the fact that if you do that, if you like create your entire company as a way to avoid Writers Guild pay scales, the quality of writing that you get is bury me with my golden heart. And then he buries well, it my company arm. suffers from. I hate it when my company suffers from pulmonary gold disease. That's basically what happened. But uh, it, I, I think it was founded on cynicism and arrogance. Uh, the cynicism being that people will watch any old shit if it has famous names attached to it. And also, uh, people consumers have the attention spans of gnats, so it's got to be like on their phones where they watch their dumb videos and they'll clap like trained seals. Mm-hmm. And arrogance of ignoring all of the data... Uh, that was sort of contrary to that that had emerged from like people binge watching Netflix shows and stuff over the last several years. I actually have a theory about what happened with their assumption about the attention span and how they fucked it because they are right that nobody has an attention span anymore. Like I don't have an attention span anymore. But do you know yeah, how for that instance, actually you figures? did a ten minute bit about Latin Baz. Exactly. But what the way that actually works is I watch an hour long Netflix show and I'm on my phone the entire time. I refuse to watch TV on my phone. Then I can't be on my phone. You have to go on your phone on the TV. Exactly. It's impossible. Like, that's that's the problem. It's that it's on your phone. Yeah. Uh, so bef- I've sometimes had the misfortune of uh, being in a place where my phone had reception but no Wi-Fi and I needed to watch TV on my phone. Uh, and was reduced to reading old documents that I had saved to my laptop oh, in order to no. produce exactly this effect. It doesn't. It awesome. doesn't work. You're quite right. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so, uh, in fact, uh, Grace, what quib do you miss most <laughs> of their f- of their fine back catalog? Mm. We're well, all quibbles on this podcast. I, you know, I was actually um, training myself in. Um, I'm trying to be a psychoanalyst right now, and it involves some some minor bits of psychopathology, uh, psychopharmacology, basic psychiatric training. What I really found was that uh, it was really helpful to get my training in 10-minute anecdotal bites where I could just 
um, learn about somebody's conditions, um, and then <laughs> I could just go about my day, um, <laughs> having learned what a subdural hematoma was, but without knowing what a hematoma was or what subdural yeah. meant. It's like Chrissy um, Teigen's uh, court show, except instead of court, it's like medical training. Yeah. A guy comes into court and he's like, yeah, this guy gave me a subdural hematoma. And she's like, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, look, if um, I'm just excited because like the thing is, the people who founded Quibi, um, they're they're not going. I have more information on this. They're not Quibulous going away. And Quimus, yes. Well, um, <laughs> shut the fuck, shut the fuck up. <laughs> they, were, they were they were nursed by a quolf. Um, <laughs> Radioactive <laughs> quolfs. <laughs> Um, so basically, Meg Whitman, who is the co-CEO, was kind of like a, a state-level Carly Fiorina. Mm. Um, she donated $500,000 to the Biden Victory Fund. And now, consider this, one of the co-authors of the like largest non-fraud-related company corporate failures in American history. It went from $2.75 billion valuation to closed in, under, in like six months. That person is now... On the short list, a Republican serial business failure. That person is now on the short list for Biden's cabinet, and I'm not joking. Awesome. That's what we call bipartisan, baby. I mean, the Democrats love losers. Mm -hmm. They love them. Yeah, no, yeah, you, you want to look at the White House and see the expertise that brought you Chrissy Teigen's court, murder house flip, um, oh, yeah. dishmantled. Dish dishmantled. The, the cooking show with a cannon. The cooking show that had a cannon. Wait, what? <laughs> and uh, uh, 50 States of Fright, which began with Bury Me With My Golden Arm. That's what the American people need at this time. Yeah, Secretary of Quips. Yeah, they need more. That more thing, as, as Grace says, more crucial information needs to be delivered via Quib. Yeah. And Meg Whitman is going to be there to make sure that, like, you know, for example, when. Um, when one of like many um, tornado, earthquake, or wildfire preparedness um, uh, messages has to go out, that uh, there's a quib for it that people can digest in a short amount it of time, actually, and that's delivered to them by a famous voice. It actually makes sense because when you think about it, Joe Biden's dementia is kind of at the stage where it's like the notebook, and he can only understand things for eight <laughs> minutes at a time. So that is the perfect length of time in which to summarize an issue. Mm. The presidential, the presidential morning quib. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. For me to to quibble with the quib, but is it possible that it's not non-fraud related? Um, I've just done a quick bit of math and it seems to me like they must have spent $1.5 million each day. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was all which, on yeah, gold Which arms. is not easy at all. Have, I mean, any idea quibble. how expensive a gold uh, arm is? Well, well, let's, maybe, let's, maybe they just kept losing the prop or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the, so the, let's, the, let's, this pile of golden arms, these are all stunt arms. We're so going to go let's, through let's all this. of these. Let's say this. Um, we, uh, I would say the there. It's not like there was a great fraud revelation like Enron or something, mm -hmm. right? If there is to be a fraud revelation, it will come after the business failed. Did it not mm. precipitate the failing of the business? Yeah. Um, which is again, that means by because like like the Enron executives, like they were good at fraud for a while. Meg Whitman is good at n and Jeffrey Katzenberg are good at nothing. Yeah, nothing. Yeah. It'd be amazing to get sued by them if they were like, hey, I'm good at fraud. <laughs> Don't tell me I'm not good at fraud. This is going to damage my my future career prospects as a fraudster. Yeah. <laughs> Got to convince all the other fraudsters I'm good at fraud. Yeah, they'll never let me into fraud camp. Exactly. Uh, yeah. any, any final any final thoughts on, 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 on the Quibi introductory section before I move into their, frankly, delightful uh, open letter that they wrote uh, announcing their closure? Oh, boy. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I guess like this has, like, I guess like Milo kind of touched on it, but it is very much, I guess the things that I found out on the one hand is, was this just kind of like a giant scam and um, was the kind of like finance model in which uh, it seemed to be like, it seemed to be from what I read when um, like they, they, like production companies and Hollywood companies like put a lot of money in, but they got it out to like produce shows and everything. So you're kind of like wondering, well, how is the money to actually run this thing? Like, yeah, I, I guess I'll come up to your next section. The second, the second and main thing is like, is the issue down to the fact that they just didn't realize that people like to watch stuff and use their phones at the same time? I or think so. the idea of like toilet watching, uh, you know, when you, when we went, we don't want to watch stuff on the toilet. We want to post on the toilet, right? We want to like, saying. Yeah, they they address this question in the open letter. Oh my god! Okay. Okay. So okay. So I so I will save everything until you read the letter. Right. Okay. Um, and then maybe I'll have like a clearer idea. So uh, an open letter to the employees. Uh, uh, Alice, can you please yeah. commence? An open letter to the employees, investors, and partners who believed in Quibi and made this business possible. We started with the idea to create the next generation of storytelling, and because of you. We were able to create and deliver the best version of what we imagined Quibi to be. So it is with an incredibly heavy heart that today we are announcing that we are winding down the, the business. Heart's heavy because it's made of gold. And looking <laughs> to sell its content and technology assets. But which are nothing. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> one arm. One arm. Comma gold. There's a buyer for it. <laughs> Do not try to buy the golden arm. Do not. We are buying the golden arm. No, someone is buying the golden arm, no, not us not, necessarily. Not necessarily us, but do not try and buy it. Um, that person will be buying it. <laughs> okay, uh, can we? Can I go back to... No, no music, please. But we did achieve some things, they go on. Hmm. Do you want to see what they think? They produced they a great Trash Future 2 parter <laughs> indirectly. Right, yeah. 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 We gave some really good content. Well, no. Remember, there was a Quibi fan cast that was made. Of someone oh. made a fan cast of one of the shows. And they and sued. They, they sued them. <laughs> Amazing. Awesome. That's a sign of a company that's going to do well. Uh, <laughs> a yeah. podcast about Quibi. And they, the only media outlet talking about Quibi on its own terms. And they sued them. Uh, yeah, just absolutely incredible. Like, do not give us publicity, you little bitch. <laughs> uh, but we did achieve some things, they go on. We opened the door to the most creative and imaginative minds in Hollywood to innovate from script to screen. And the result was... <laughs> My golden arm. <laughs> Honestly, like, the golden arm thing was one of the last uncomplicated uh, yeah, remember afternoons the, remember of what, laughter how me and my felt. ex-girlfriend ever shared. <laughs> it was pretty much downhill from the golden arm afternoon. Um, so the result was the content that exceeded our expectations. Um, oh, expectations were low. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we challenged engineers to build a mobile platform that had enabled a new form of storytelling. No, you didn't. You challenged engineers to monetize TikTok. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing is, also anything that revolutionary about the platform? It's just like remember you the turnstile thing. It's Netflix, but it's all eight minutes. <laughs> also, remember the turnstile? You had your phone, you could turn it. Oh, and it would switch yeah. Aspect yeah. Ratio smoothly. But the funny thing I is, do. the makers of that company basically have successfully won back the IP in a lawsuit. So that takes away most of Quibi's value. Amazing. Um, yes. And they delivered a groundbreaking and delightful service. Again, I must have emphasize, I was delighted by it. Yeah, we were fucking delighted. I have to say, it was, it was the best no money I've ever spent <laughs> on, a free, on a free week of watching TV. Uh, 
And we were joined by 10 of the most important advertisers in the world who enthusiastically embraced new ways for their brands to tell their wow, stories. 10. Yeah. Yeah. It's like big time Tommy's Cadillac dealership. Um, now, now, Grace, you're a, you're a, a storyteller, a humanities person. Let's say um, so. Yeah. Uh, you're a human. In, yeah. in, <laughs> embracing new ways for brands to tell their stories. People, people love brands telling their stories, right? I mean, I think it's something that we really miss in this world. You know, so often uh, I'll be watching TV and I'll just think, what's the story behind the brand that is advertising mm. in the breaks of this show that enables the show to exist? What story could be told if we just ignored uh, relationships between people um, and just focused instead on pure, unmitigated propaganda? Uh, I live fairly close mm. to an enormous Pepsi sign, and sometimes I just stare at it in wonder for, um, for <laughs> hours at a time uh, as it, was it gleams a time. across the East River. Uh, there was a time when uh, when Mr. Muscle was just a jacked guy who was looking <laughs> for a way to clean his wife's golden arm. Yeah. <laughs> they say, with the dedication and commitment of our employees and the support we received from our investors and partners, we created a new form of mobile-first premium storytelling. Uh, okay. It's, yeah. Um, and mm. yet, there you go. Something interesting. I don't know why I just want to tell you all my medical anecdotes, but I have something funny about storytelling that I learned yesterday which is that if you suffer long-term alcohol abuse, you can get brain legion, lesions that make it impossible to retrieve long-term memories, but in such a way that uh, the, the, the mind cannot stop itself from making up a story, huh. um, which you don't realize isn't true when you're telling the story. It's, the symptom is called confabulation. It's, it's called podcast mm. brain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's called confabulation. <laughs> brain legion is something that Latin yeah. Baz has. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> the brain legion. Well, that's his. Um. That's that's his. Uh. That's his. It's his like group. Mensa, but for blokes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's we just call it table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one for the real Latin heads there. Um. Kaikelius so, Eston Horso, baby. That's so, right. Um, Metella Yes, that's right. It's been a right. while. They go but on. I still love it. Uh, Fuck if uh, <laughs> we, we created. We created sorry, you were trying to do a podcast about Quibi, and then you just have us three idiots being like, "Yo, what happened to Groomio though? That guy kind of got <laughs> yeah. fucked over." Yeah, <laughs> Groomio was a nonce. That was what the name was about. We had a. I don't child, think we had the same child Groomio. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't think we had the same Latin text. He was of Greek origin. <laughs> um, they, 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 there was a Pais Grumio, but they, they changed it at the Elysius Island. <laughs> they changed it at the Elysian Fields. I haven't right. about Grumio for a long time, but I just remembered that for some reason I, I insisted on translating him as, as the butler of the house rather than the cook. Oh, awesome. Um, I thought it was somehow dignifying if he was the butler. Yeah. So, um, we're gonna. We're. I think. Uh, we're gonna. We're gonna park. Uh, Latin class memories. Yeah. Now. No. Aww. No. That's the. That, that is the only <laughs> podcast thing that we're doing today. Yeah. We're all reminiscing about. Yo, I, you're I, about I, Quintus. I learned... Oh yeah. Yo, you're my boy learned... Quintus. 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 John. John Ralphio. Of, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I got uh, absolutely run up on by the Britanni. Embarrassing. Yeah. We. Uh. We. We just learned about Gaius, who was an Agricola. Um, I've heard about this bloke, right, uh, Quintus, <laughs> and he's been a victim of these slags in no Britannia. No-go areas. Right? Yeah, no-go zones in... Uh, in the, yeah, <laughs> no-go zones in Londinium. Exactly, <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, so, Can we do this uh, all with, uh, with Dickiopolis as well, or is that too deep a cut? 
Oh, Greek. We're going. We're going Athanas Day now. Yeah, we are. So we're, not, we're not going that way. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we are. We are going to restart this paragraph because it's great. Mm-hmm. So, with the dedication and commitment of our employees and the support we receive from our investors and partners, we created a new form of mobile-first premium storytelling. Quippy outside mm. today. <laughs> premium yeah. storytelling, you know, like um, the golden arm thing or the um, mm. the murder golden house flip. Murder house flip. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And that was yet- so good. I love Murder House Flip because at some point in every episode, one of the banal presenters would have to go like, this person did not deserve to be murdered. Like, murdering someone is like a fucked up thing to do, and I would never do that. <laughs> Just so uh, you know. Manual Kant over here. It was, like, it was like our jackass had to go like, do not try this at home. They had to go like, do not murder people. <laughs> so- it's supposed to inspire you to decorate your house, not to murder someone in your house. Yeah, focus on the house flip, not the yeah, murder. exactly. So, uh, they say... And yet, Quibi is not succeeding. Events develop huh. not necessarily to Quibi's advantage. <laughs> Likely mm. for one of two reasons. Okay. okay. Reason the first. Because the idea itself wasn't strong enough oh, to justify no. a standalone oh, streaming service. Juice, it turns out that possibly oh. what we did was bet Can't everything be on a stupid idea. Well, it must be reason two, because there's no <laughs> way it can be reason one. It's the pandemic is that people were like, it was not oh, time. You know, well. just had you know no what it time is? to people, look at their phones. Yeah, people have been watching way less TV and like media it's generally. More like people aren't sitting on the bus or queuing up in lo- or shitting in a coffee shop. People I are think still that's, shitting. That's yeah, I've gotten in trouble for that before. Yeah. But if you were shitting uh, in a coffee shop, would you really want to watch a, a 10 minute story? I'm not sure that I would. They, no. they bet <laughs> millions on the idea billions. that you would. Billions. billions. On, with a B on the idea that you would. Uh, Rishi Sunak begging people to go to Predamonje, take a shit and watch a quip. It's <laughs> <laughs> the, the only way to save the economy. And, and, and the thing is, right, there's nothing new that we have to say about Quibi. This is purely a victory lap for us. Yeah. Um, our goal when we launched Quibi was to create a new category of short-form entertainment for mobile devices. Although the circumstances were not right for Quibi to succeed as a standalone company because it was stupid and terrible, our team, oh, said that, huh? our team achieved much of what we set out to accomplish. No, no. Well, what did you set out to accomplish? Yeah. I don't we, think we just did. wanted a podcaster to notice us. Like, <laughs> that was the whole bit. We really wanted to get them. on Trash Future. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. was their whole thing. They're just they're huge hogs, yeah, they, and they just want yeah, to. They love it. Uh, they they yeah. could have just like at some point there's a pay for access level. <laughs> oh my god, do you think that Johannes von Cora is a song about me? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, although the circumstances were not right for Quibi to succeed, we set up we achieved much of what we set out to accomplish, and we are pr- tremendously proud of the award winning and innovative work that we have produced. Awards did they win? Oh, yeah. oh, Quib oh, of the year. I can tell you that. Because uh, I looked into it. Publishers Clearinghouse, best quip. No, they won Emmys. What? Yeah, they won, like, Asterisk. They won like 10 oh. Emmys, right? I mean, so they were t- nominated to be for fair, 10 we've, we've had oh. people who have won Emmys on this show, and we're idiots. Yeah. But like... So, no, so here's what happened. They were nominated for 10 Emmys, and they won, I believe, mm. two. Okay. Uh, but there's a big fucking asterisk next to that number. Mm-hmm. Because, remember, everything is technically a short. And so right. they were mostly just quibs competing against quibs because no one makes TV <laughs> shorts. Quibs upon quibs. <laughs> and so, for example, uh, so they were like, yeah, they were just, it would be like four to five entries in each given category were quibs. They stacked the court, uh, but with and quibs. And they still mostly didn't win. Oh, Amazing. my God. And, that's uh, here, painful. I, I, I have. I have this um, 
I have this uh, for everyone. Okay. Mm-hmm. Quibi lost because it was it's a digital short, so it could also be like a YouTube clip that it could lose to. Yeah. <laughs> so Quibi, well, there's your problem. It just lost to like nut shot compilations. Yeah. <laughs> Qu- Quibi lost Give out. Me back my golden nuts. Quibi. Quibi. <laughs> the tests have come in that is pulmonary gold disease. Quibi lost out in the short form comedy or drama category to AMC's Better Call Saul employee training miniseries, Legal Ethics with Kim Wexler. Oh, awesome. <laughs> they, Was that a comedy they, or a drama? Uh, I think well, Better Call Saul and men's no, I mean, and Saul, I get, but was was this a kind of comedy spin-off? I think uh, it, yeah, it yeah was, um, I think so. It was like a, it was like a web short it was like a, a series of web shorts for between each season. And um, Quibi lost <laughs> in short form comedy or drama series to uh, some web shorts that AMC made. Amazing. Awesome. They did win a couple of awards, but it basically playing T-ball, they hit the ball a couple of times <laughs> out of many attempts. That rules. I love that. Uh, so, yes, award winning, technically right, in the most funny way possible. <laughs> in the most technical way possible. Yeah, yeah. Qu- Quibi participant. <laughs> that's still an award, baby. Yeah, that's uh, right. So, back to the letter. Over the coming months, we will be working hard to find buyers for these. And then, listen carefully to this next word I'm about to say valuable assets. <laughs> Which are. Huh. Again, Um, one arm. One times arm, yes. (laughs) Uh, What about the sex doll show? The show with the sex doll. Oh, yeah. Can we buy the sex doll? Can we Uh, put the sex doll? What other assets do they have? Do they have, like, the court bench that Chrissy Teigen was, like, delivering verdicts? Chrissy Teigen's ass print. Because that's the thing. They don't. None of this IP is usable because it's all it's all such small concepts. Like, how are you going to buy the IP for the golden arms, like, like, quib and then turn that into a series or a movie? Well, I mean, we're yeah. going to. <laughs> Again, That's how right. are you going to do that? We are going to do that. We will be doing that. We will not be doing that. I mean, we're going to the $10 like Patreon tier, the bonus. Yeah, that the super bonus. You yeah, know how the golden arm tier. Yeah. So, you know, probably Meg Whitman, when she's Biden's commerce secretary, is going to decide to screen 50 sa- sh- sta- states of fright at every national you park or 50 something. shades Absolutely, of yeah. fright. <laughs> Don't change the group DM. We've had this is- horny. Was that about why the horny each of the states fright. is frightening, or was it about, about sort of very small differences between different degrees? I believe fright? the idea was that it was like a separate horror tale inspired by the folklore of each state in the I union, see, see. which is very funny yeah. to me. If you're trying to find a distinctly like a distinctly Rhode Island or a distinctly yeah. Delawarean kind of horror. Yeah. Oh, the water fan has stopped working. Yeah. Uh, so, we want you to know that we got up every day and genuinely loved coming to work with the most remarkable and passionate bed? team. Shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, remarkable, Whoa. I'd I mean, say that. Fair enough, then, honestly. Yeah. I mean, during <laughs> yeah, pandemic met- times, if you can get up every day, you know, that's better than mm. me, frankly. Uh, mm. We will be forever proud of the extraordinary partnership we were able to forge between anyway. the best of Hollywood. <laughs> we will be forever proud Valley. of the golden arm we forced our husbands to forge the be- and then murdered the him. The best of Hollywood. Picking up we the found golden like, arm. We found like the ten people in Hollywood who weren't pedophiles. <laughs> like by definition, the best, <laughs> and have uh, made a company. So yeah, yeah not technically uh, anyway. the best. Crucially, not technically the best, yeah. but morally the best. 
We found the yeah. most available people in Hollywood who were the exactly. most willing to work with us. The most yeah, not, they're not getting any jobs on any big films because they're not in on the pedophilia parties where you do the networking. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, so all that is left now is to offer a profound apology for disappointing you and for ultimately letting you down. Oh, we cannot thank you okay, enough for being Quibi. there with us. We, we forgive and you. For, <laughs> and for mm. us, every step of Give the us the golden arm. Give it to us. Uh, give I us, just got give, it. Give us the got arm. A, okay, I just got a message about the golden arm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, so that's Quibi. Yeah, that's right. Um, I really would like there to be a situation in which we can somehow... Um, it's to somehow talk about it again. I mean, they'll I be, think they'll that's be back. Like, probably. Mm. I like, mean, great the, numbers. These types of people who like run fail- these failing tech companies will come back with another that's failing true. tech company. All we can and... hope to do in the meantime is to obtain Chrissy Teigen's gavel. I mean, yeah. they, they also have like links to like the Biden campaign, right? So yeah, Meg Whitman. If, right. So if like Biden wins the presidential election. Um, we'll definitely see Meg Whitman New back. deal, federal writers administration, again, except it's just for quibs. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Making him change his name to Rance Quibus. Uh, so, um... <laughs> I've heard this right. word so often in the last, you know, half hour, having never heard it once before in my life. Um, it feels like I'm going slightly insane. It, the, the, this that's, is, that's, yeah. that's the TF experience. I'm so yeah, sorry. it's amazing, but thank you so much for sharing this with me. What a noun. <laughs> All right, so, um... Anyway, let's th- that's that's some dumb bullshit. Uh, let's talk about some evil bullshit. Mm. Oh, okay. Uh, because in the UK, it's that time again for school holidays. Is it starving and- children's mess again? <laughs> and with lockdown happening, uh, many poor children who depend on free school meals. So for American listeners, um, you sort one of the ways that you can be marked as in need is if you are on free school meals, like a social program. And so that's like a marker of if you grew up with like in poverty, is you would have yeah. been on free school meals. Um, I think they basically have that in the states too, right? There's like a there's like a th- poverty threshold where you get free school meals. Um, well, I think in, in here it's much more. I think here it's like centrally administered. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And so it's a big it's a big thing. Uh, and over holiday time, people usually don't get them. And Marcus Rashford, who is a footballer with Manchester United, has been campaign now successfully campaigned. Who uh, had free school meals himself as a kid? Yes, indeed. Yeah, uh, he successfully campaigned to get that um, extended over the summer break because obviously coronavirus meant like you, you people were like locked up and starving because many parents weren't working, etc., yeah, etc. And, th- and this was a very um, easy, popular win for the government because it just let them do that. They gave Marcus Rashford an MBE for this, um, mm-hmm. and then they 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 kind of like uh, agreed to to fund the free school meals over the summer, and then. Hey, guess what? It's winter break. <laughs> it, it it happened again. They said, oh no, we agreed to do that for the summer. Those were the summer Tories. What, what, yeah. what they were saying was during the summer, you get all the food and then like you keep that. So, you know, that's your, that's the kind of like, Stocking period because winter children is children hibern- are like bears. Winter they is for hi- be yeah. Up to winter, hibernate over winter, winter, week. <laughs> winter is for hibernation, and if you've eaten your bread and potatoes um, and fruit before then, that's your own fault. Yeah, yeah it's, exactly. a, it's a valuable lesson about October, Why can't you trickle treat I mean, a sandwich? I mean, this is probably the mentality of that woman on Twitter who was talking about like foraging apples, right? What? Yeah. It was like oh, yeah, a woman on Twitter was like, "You don't need free school because uh, well, what, what, what before we start talking specifics, let's get meals. the table just setting done." Just yeah, scrumping yeah, yeah. for where you live yeah. in 1957. Oh. But it's a beautiful so, um, verb, isn't it? Scrumping. I haven't heard that in so long. I mean, scrumping for quibbies. 
Yeah. So I mean, recording squid. this recording this podcast does make me feel as if I'm filing off edges of my brain sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it's probably also worth noting that, like, even if you do kind of like forage for food in like a town or a city, i.e., like you go like dumpster diving or. Um, something along those lines. That's elite. Like you can get yeah, arrested days, for doing. You'll be you arrested. Can actually, you can get arrested and thrown in jail for doing that, and, especially and if you can't just, afford to. And like, let's just yeah. apply some perspective here. It's ludicrous that that's even being discussed. Well, also, like uh, d- d- supermarkets and up, stuff up, up, will up, sabotage the food that they throw out, like the excess. Like they will be like, yeah, no. The if you work guy. for Tesco, you just, you just have to like throw some bleach over these like mm-hmm. chicken breasts that uh, you're throwing I, out. I want to finish. I want to finish our table setting here. Uh, which is that? Yes, those were the summer Tories. Uh, Boris Johnson had had like you corn, summer Tories. Had cornrows in. He had his tan. Uh, he was still a little bit drunk from all the mai tais. And public spending only works when it's hot. And uh, the fiscal firepower we had then uh, no longer works. Maybe the money printer jammed. Um, and so know. now conservative politicians are basically saying that if the government spends a rounding error to extend free school meals to children who will otherwise literally be starving. Like, remember, the UN, the UN High Commissioner on Extreme Poverty gave a dire warning about the United Kingdom, but that basically, if the government does that, then, quant- then QE will go off the charts, uh, capitalism will collapse, and we'll have another rerun yeah. of the 2008 crisis because the government spends between 5 and 20 million pounds uh, feeding starving children who have nothing Listen, else to do, and many of whom are in lockdown. If we, if we give Tiny Tim a single half of a potato and a heel of bread, it will be stagflation all over again. It'll be back to the 70s. What would he learn from that? What would he learn? Well, they're saying that Heliogabulus should extend the Inona corn dole <laughs> to children <laughs> who aren't working for a living. Why can't they go out scrubbing for dormice like I used to do? <laughs> Um, you, ever, you ever feel like you have an episode just hijacked by a bit? Yes. <laughs> Maximus do, Decimus Meridius from the do, arena. Alice, do I campaign. feel like that often? <laughs> <laughs> but no, let's. But basically, right. This is essentially the the statement has been um, yes. Sorry, we cannot. Uh, it, our, our this wonderful system, uh, the best that the, that has ever been produced in the world, that has been the, the the dynamism of the free market, this thing that has lifted living standards uh, every year up until 2015, and then we don't have any information after that. Um, uh, of course, is is going to fall apart if we create the precedent of not murdering uh, children with neglect. It's such an unforced political like. Between this and customs things as Brexit approaches, it really does just seem like the Tories are like in a don't text mood and just kind of like doing all of the unpopular shit that they don't even really have to do. Like, as you say, it would be a rounding error, but not even out of any like genuine principle that they like starving children, just because they just don't want to do anything, you know? Yeah, it's that they um they they basically can't they campaigned on get Brexit done. We've got this deal. We're gonna unleash the potential of the UK. We're gonna end austerity, and then mostly they just haven't done anything. They've just sort of sat in government, uh, and then I wonder basically if this could have a- something to do with the prime minister almost dying out of like hubris. <laughs> well- if you think of what they have done, they've basically criminalized a lot more people and then mm. appointed a guy to be the admiral in charge of fighting um, starving refugees in the English Channel. Oh, yeah, that's, guy admiral. That's more or less what they've accomplished uh, and then allowing cops to commit sexual assaults. Mm. That's basically what they've done. What a good country. Um, yeah. Normal. 
Um, and so I have a few a few of them defending this um, this uh, idea. The the obvious one to start with is Steve Baker, who said uh, turning a blind eye to starving children is wrong, uh, but. and it's wrong to suggest to anyone would. But not destroying the currency with quantitative easing is also one of our duties. Oh yeah, it would destroy the currency to feed the starving children. It's the trolley problem, except uh, the trolley is one track is completely clear and the other track is children. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it might it would wear down the track if you put it well, on the it other. Like that the, would the lever on the trolley. Mm. Yeah. Exactly. You can't yeah. pull it. I mean, we need to oil the lever, and that oil costs money. I think the the idea is, of course, that if they create a precedent that they're going to feed starving yeah, children, the then they'll always have to feed starving stuff, children. Then they'll have to keep doing stuff, and then if we do stuff, you might have to pay for that stuff, and then years thin end of the wedge. You know. Yeah. Doing stuff. And what. Doing stuff is emotional labor, and that does include feeding, uh, providing money to uh, That's right. to make sure yeah. children eat. Yeah. So yeah. you know, if we if we on this show are um, support mental health, and it's particularly the mental health of uh, of of males, um, perhaps we should uh, reassess our language when uh, a talking wealthy about- businessman gave me a full set of tiny furniture intended for jockeys that is worth <laughs> over £300 specifically so that I would lobby to make sure that the government doesn't do anything. So that is what I will be doing from this tiny chair that I've brought into the House of Commons. Everyone, look, er- everyone's tired. Everyone's like lacking productivity. Don't be too hard on yourself. It's okay you know, you won't get all time your- for self-care. All right, you won't yeah. get all your projects done, but that's okay. 2020 is a bit of a crazy year. Yeah. Sometimes a few children have to starve in the name of your mental health, and that's fine. Uh, so uh, we also have Tory MP Brendan Clark Smith, who said the, of the free school motion, I do not believe in nationalizing children. His forehead just growing as he said this. <laughs> Their Brendans all have like a powerful hive mind that connects via the forehead. <laughs> Some kind of national child service. Yeah. So, but, I mean, Are I, you nationalised children? I, hate, I do. I do hate. Wait, to be I haven't the, dropped um, for this. I forgot that I still had this drop. Yeah. What, these Would you nationalise sausages? Yeah. Yeah. That. That. I mean, look. If you want to, re- like, I try not to do this. Is to try to do the think about how like Labour and the Conservatives get treated. Yeah, but they but would have nationalised sausages. Yeah. <laughs> of course, uh, and it, and then, then there wouldn't be hungry children. Yes, because well, they could all uh, eat the sausages. Because they'd all be made. Oh, you now we the so- see okay. the edge of the now question. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Would you nationalize sausages? <laughs> because the Tories absolutely will not. Yeah, no, exactly. um, and so the the thing is, right? If you want to think about how the the, tre- the press uh, treats the two parties, uh, the Labour gets asked ridiculous questions as though mm. they are serious, and then the Conservatives are allowed to say things like, "I don't believe in nationalizing children." In fifteen they make years, ridiculous statements. In fifteen yeah, years, want- I'm going to be starving to death in a gust, and one of my teeth is going to fall out, and I'm just going to remember. Would you nationalize sausages and just start laughing like the fucking yeah. Joker? What was the context for that? I sort of wish that the context the context of that was um uh, uh Angela Rayner going on Newsnight um just and was just, there was no context she was asked out of nowhere would you nationalize sausages had she mentioned that she especially enjoyed sausages no no, no? yeah. No, it was someone oh. in the audience uh, said yeah but like will you nationalize sausages and then the sausages pres- Newsnight presenter. Then the Newsnight, no, it was a, it was a youth debate. It was a, a young woman who said that, and then, um, then I believe it was a young Yoda. Bernadina Matthews. Yeah, <laughs> then um, I can't remember. I can't remember who it was. Uh, then turned to uh, Angela Rayner and asked it as though it was a serious question. 
Incredible. And again, it is there is there is literally no powerful body person or anyone in this country who is committed to uh, opposing this, except for like people like Marcus Rashford and the people who then like do yeah. like M- Marcus Rashford, the only effective leader of the opposition currently. Yeah, yeah, effectively, Marcus Rashford has forced the government to do to do something it doesn't want to do already once. But Keir Starmer then took credit for it. Uh, and if if this if and if hopefully this episode this segment of this episode does not age well, I sincerely hope it does not. I, uh, if you get my meaning, then uh, I then he'll have done it twice. I got so yeah. pissed off at Keir Starmer because the tweet that he did was as the Tories were voting to like starve children, he was like. The Tory government have an opportunity to to provide food for some of the most vulnerable in our society. Uh, abstained, I believe, and then um, when they voted to do it, which would not have passed without Labour MPs, I believe, um, mm. he tweeted, "Update." They didn't, and it was like, "Well, thanks, Keir. Thanks for the yeah. fucking update." Yeah. Oh yeah. Did so you whoever, do whoever taught you to do about that, or are you just like reporting? Are you just like observing got- and reporting? You know what it is? He got Juve to teach him uh, how to do uh, narrator. It didn't. Uh, I mean, for fuck's sake, right? Like, at some point, like, I I realized satire burned out when they got a human rights lawyer to whip the party to abstain on whether to make all crimes legal if the cops do them. But this was the thing that really got me, was just like, well, seems like they've done the bad thing, guys. You were in oh, Parliament! Boy. You could have um, said something there at the very least, for fuck's sake, you've haircut gammon dipshits! Alice, I have hope of a compromise here. I think we can swing the Tories to, instead of nationalised children, do a PFI deal on children, <laughs> where uh, we do have oh, state-funded children, but it's all it's all contracted out to Serco, and then Serco will miss, discover they I don't have the necessary J- children on staff. E. Yeah. And then that. there'll only be... There'll only be ten children in the whole of Britain who are all being played by a Circo member of staff, and you have to book them in advance. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Grace, I what I mean, you you no longer live in, in the UK, but uh, no. how does this feel to you in terms of uh, reminiscence? Well, I'm mostly thinking about Tesco's finest pork and apple sausages, uh, and whether or not they should be uh, pur- purchased by the British government and distributed in the United States as part of a kind of. You know, I, I uh, it seems disturbing. I'm, I, every time I think about the UK and how I have to go back there, I feel more and more afraid. Um, it, it seems like people have gone even weirder than they used to be. Um, All of the prions from the 90s finally taking effect. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like, again, children and sausages are in many ways both nationalized, right? They're both the beneficiary of massive government subsidies, tax breaks, Agricultural, the ag- agricultural industry would have collapsed were it not for the um, support of central government. It's difficult to know exactly what is being asked with the question, would you nationalize sausages, would you nationalize children, except for will you take now a stupid position in order that we can kind of create more stupidity somehow, or just like ge- generate stupidity in order to increase our sense of the absurd and um, our general sort of disaffection. I mean, I think that's look. If you want to understand, I think what's actually going on on here at like that ideological level, Grace, I think you've kind of hit it on the head, mm-hmm. which is that the logic, the logic that the very ideological annoying. We usually spin this out to an hour. Yeah. 
<laughs> the nah. ideological propositions can uh, can be ridiculous mm-hmm. because this is just the naked exercise of power. Mm-hmm. And if you and it all tends to go. But if you want to look at the uh, it, it, people like to say, oh, the cruelty is the point. The cruelty is the point. But that also misses the point, which is that if you're not on free school meals and you're desperate to feed your kid, you are very unlikely to say, leave your bad job. You're more likely to take another zero hours contract at a, wor- at a worse rate. You're more likely to not report your dodgy landlord because you just need stability. All of these things that make like the most vulnerable, that, that A, increase the number of vulnerable people in society, and B, make their lives more precarious, all basically just benefit, every, it always benefits the wealthy huh. because they are less able to respond, they're less able to, t- to control their own lives, and so forth. Yeah. So if you want to know what this is, this is basically just another pro-employer, pro-landlord policy, and they're doing it by sort of, you know, spreading the children out on the trolley problem and uh. then breaking <laughs> off the handle. Yeah. Well, I mean, I for one am glad that we have decided to sell our children to Weatherspoons. Mm. So uh, one yeah. more, and then I want to go to the final section here, uh, which is Ben Bradley, uh, yeah. noted, uh, noted for Ben Bradley. Noted retweeter, yeah. yes. Um, uh, the, he said, uh, the government has lots of responsibilities, supporting the vulnerable, helping people to help themselves, balancing the books. Helping uh, people not to as help much- themselves. Fuck yeah. Helping people mm. to help themselves. Yeah, by starving them. I love you know, to be by helped. Them so to hungry, help incentivize them to help they themselves start by removing the means by which they might help themselves. Well, then yeah. they're hungry, and then they start quibby. Yeah. Yeah. This is day our daily quib. Yeah, um, extending free school meals to holidays passes responsibility for feeding kids away from the parents to the state. Yes, yes, yes. That's yeah. what it does. Yeah, it does because do that, par- doesn't it? Yeah, because the parents don't have a job because the economy is gone. Yeah, does it? I don't understand. Like, what I, I was going to say: Do these people have a problem with feeding prisoners? But they almost certainly do. Yes, oh, they do. Like, they are, like, why should we feed them? Just because they're in prison, can't they work for a living? Yeah, Go pay for it. Can't he nick some it while they're in there? <laughs> he was burgling before. Can't he burgle his neighbour? One, one, one of the bleak um, thing that I have learned in in the United States. I once dated um, someone whose full time job was decarceration, which is kind of a cool a cool job. But um, she would go breaking like, people out of prison. But basically, yeah, she would <laughs> she judge the, the lead success of one of her break. projects by how many people she managed to get out of prison. She went by state by state to make cases to governors about decarceration. Um, and what she said was, you could always make a cost benefit analysis argument to right wing governors, and they would sort of, you know, hear the cost of how much it, you know how much it takes to just keep people alive in absolutely degrading and vile conditions. And that might work, but you could almost never persuade a Democrat governor um, of anything. So she, she had very, very limited success in, in sort of the, the, the blue states or the liberal states and did, and did much better in the red states, which I found deeply distressing. But that kind of doesn't surprise me because yeah. like the, the Democrats, libs, so yeah. they so like bloodlessly believe in the ideology of the system, whereas like most Republicans kind of just want a burger and a handjob. Mm-hmm. And if you're prepared to give them a burger and a handjob, they will negotiate with you. And I mean, if you, I think sort of ideologically then, like uh, it's, it's often sort of, sort of tossed off that the sort of UK Tories and US- Much like a Republican yeah. after a handjob. <laughs> <laughs> it's often tossed off that the Tories and the Democrats are roughly similar. And I mean, you know, this is these are things I could very much see a Democrat a Democrat saying. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. And they say, uh, 
that some parents are not good parents, Ben Bradley goes on, and prioritize huh. other things ahead of their kids. It's a small minority, but step out of the PC bubble and come live in the real world. Jesus. Yeah, but dude. how is that the children's fault, Ben? You fucking idiot. How is that the... Yeah, a lot of people are irresponsible parents. That is true, but that doesn't mean that children should die. That's not the outcome that we're looking for there. Ben! Listen, if I were a child, right, and my parents were not uh, prioritizing my welfare, not having the money to buy food would simply incentivize me to uh, shop around for a better yeah. set of parents on the well, market. Why can't these child children simply become chimney sweeps or a yeah. gang of pickpockets led by a mysterious Jewish man? I mean, it's, also, it's probably also worth bearing in mind that the way that Ben Bradley, who, by the way, like went, as far as I remember, went to like quite a... Um, expensive private school. Hmm. Um, like he comes from like quite a wealthy family, despite being like a complete that. like fucking idiot. Um, <laughs> that's completely fucking unprecedented. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Well, <laughs> he, he went to he went to a very very elite private school, which means that he's a fucking idiot. Um, <laughs> that's right. When he talks about like bad parents, it's kind of like I think about okay, well, like you know, I I would kind of argue that like the the sort of upper middle class rich parents that sort of um really don't like their kids and kind of uh but can like afford to at least buy them things in this kind of particular framing like is are considered to be like good uh morally morally correct parents mm. so really what it is is kind of like a very mask off another mask off moment of like well if you're if you're poor then you're a bad parent and like that's it mm-hmm I mean, uh, because like ultimately, it comes down to a view of personal. Uh, it comes down to a view of, of personal worth as, um, you know, how much how much you can get from capital, obviously. But also, it's like, oh, the economy is added is the added up total of how hard everyone works and how right. much everyone wants it. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, if you're not rich, it's because you don't want it. And I mean, mm. obviously, that's not true. And I feel like we've talked about this sort of you know numerous times, right? Where it's like. Where this is just this un this idea, this pernicious idea that will not leave, that will that we that 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 was just sticks around again because mm. it is about the naked exercise of power, and it's about the naked and, and it's about and the ineffectual opposition uh, to this idea is uh, to, to this power is that fundamentally the other side I don't know I don't think they there they have a limit to how far they would extend free school meals as well that mm. there is just a blob of power that basically says we'll feed some kids sometimes i guess but ultimately that considers mm. most people basically dispens- dispendable to ex- expendable from its point of view yeah the dispendables yeah that's right so uh before we i want to sort of close out just on a, on a little discussion of one more development a little bit of a this is a little bit of a parliamentary episode really mm. um but uh lawmakers in the uk and us have taken aim uh at basically something called uh, uh, the various kinds of critical theory, and that's just dressed up mm. as gender theory, or more recently, critical race theory, or whatever. Uh, and essentially, what has happened is, over the course of about forty years of culture war, um, yeah. spiked has been allowed to write social policy largely for schools. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Grace, as you're an academic, right? I do. Can you I tell us I have a little a PhD bit? in literary yeah. theory. Can you tell us mm. a little bit about what this is and why what people What will you find- be retraining as, Grace? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm running the re-education camps. Um, the, 
what what can I say about what it is? Uh, basically speaking, I think it's it's uh, it's an umbrella term that the right uses to demonize two, at least two, but but two main um, developments in humanities in the United States, especially since the 1980s. One of which is the rise of continental philosophy and its displacement of uh, analytical philosophy, which was contested at the time. Um, not just by kind of li liberals and writers, but also by some leftist academics, especially in the UK. So that was kind of complicated. Um, and then the other was the 80s and 90s and still to the present emergence of uh, what are now called the studies movements, uh, African-American studies, Asian-American studies, which started in the 70s, um, and now queer studies, which started around the 80s, trans studies, which is still emerging, if it will ever exist, which I sort of doubt. Um, it's all and on Tumblr, and it's mostly it's a, about exactly. like cancelling people for having an age gap of more than six months. Well, as yeah, exactly. And as the as one of the editors of Transgender Studies Quarterly, one of the in fact the only academic journal peer reviewed uh, in trans studies, I I, I I I have my own feelings about Tumblr. I feel sort of like con conflicted about Tumblr. Mm. But, um, anyway, so it's those two things: the emergence of um, a kind of left continental mode of philosophical critique with the co-emergence of a um, focus on studies of communities, literatures, and cultures previously marginalized within the, the kind of uh, major canonical histories of Western literatures, cultures, um, and other kinds of cultural phenomena. Um, and the reason why I wanted to sort of sep separate that into two things is because actually those two things if one is ignoring the kind of rabid race baiting on the right, which is threatening to take up more and more space, there are internecine conflicts between those two positions that um, often generate or reproduce the kind of wider macro structure. But that's that's basically what we're talking about, I think. Now, and the thing is, right? How this, why this matters, is that um, every because the the right in general, especially, always needs to portray itself as insurgent, or mm -hmm. rather, it has had to do that since sort of the 1990s and and the sort of a kind of liberal cultural hegemony. Um, it it has managed to portray itself as insurgent and points out its enemies, which are university professors and uh, sick coastal sickos. Yeah, and coastal sickos all went to university where they got weirded out by university professors because they took any number of what are then also talked about as waste of time non-STEM yeah, classes, grievance so, studies. You know, yeah. So, mm -hmm. but and so there's two sort of lines of attack here. There's the uh, er, like the, the there's the line of attack of if it's not in a multivariate regression, it can't be known. Um, and then there's the line of attack of you're undermining the nation. And it's very interesting how I think a lot of a lot of people who talk like this, uh, people like a noted bibliophage Matthew Goodwin, um, <laughs> <laughs> noted bibliophage, very good, good. Thank yeah. you, are yeah. uh, are able to um, they they are able to kind of flit sort of quite um, seamlessly well, like he's, back he's, and he's forth between those Paul two lines of attack Prof on on Twitter, right? Like he's no, there's, no I think he's, Paul he's Prof is someone different. Is he? Yeah, Paul Prof Steve is different from Matthew Goodwin. Oh, Christ. Matthew Goodwin right. is MJ Goodwin. Yeah. Well, that, well, same, that destroys my thing. point. So ignore me. Mm. So ignore it's me. It's very similar. <laughs> um, so Matthew Goodwin, who's the basically a, a politics professor at the University of Kent, 
who sort of set himself up as a kind of like white working class populist whisperer. He's like, mm. I'm going to tell you why for, why they all love Farage so much. Basically, that's yeah. his thing. And ironically, now he's going to be in the lorry park. <laughs> I mean, I mean, like when you like show your ass by eating your book on live TV, I feel like the only way to rebrand yourself is by sort of like leaning into the worst of your reactionary tendencies. Mm. Shit it out on live TV as well. <laughs> no, he shit it out before he ate it. Oh, okay. Um, so uh, he basically says that these white working class communities like outside of London face, quote unquote, mm. a status deficit as the national conversation has become much more consumed with other groups in society. And he didn't just say this in a column. He said this in front of the Education Select Committee in the House of Commons, who is now looking at changing things like curriculum requirements. Mm. Right. Which leads said, you, therefore, to uh, to Kemi Badenoch saying that teaching uh, white privilege as uncontested fact is illegal. Yes, it is. So, mm. but and what I find very unless you're a cop, yeah. then you can do it. <laughs> yeah, but you probably yeah, wouldn't. That's our end run around this. We just every academic, every like studies movement academic has to uh, like infiltrate the police, become a police officer, and then simply teach the way they want to, and be like, actually, it's fine because it was for investigatory purposes. So <laughs> yeah, because then you get when they get the cop coming into school instead of like what, how it used to be, where the cop would just tell you about how if you ever shoplift, they will literally throw you in a cell and they don't care if you're seven and yes you will cry um and then now it's just the cop comes in and he goes by the way there's quite a lot of you know structural racial problems in society. <laughs> i'm allowed to tell yeah, you this i, le- I learned I'm a all cop. of my best theory from cops yeah so wait basically what we're saying is that the only yeah, the way show. the only way yeah. that you're going to be able to by the way no one was doing this no one was teaching critical race theory in elementary schools no absolutely but, not but the only way that you're going to be able to do that in theory now is with some kind of an infernal affairs setup. yeah absolutely <laughs> it's like 21 jump street <laughs> Yeah, Tony Rock comes to your school, kicks like flying, kicks the door down, and explains intersectionality to the preschoolers. The yeah, U- right. US universities and colleges often have their own police forces, which is yeah. pretty fucked up. Um, Kindergarten uh, cop woke edition. Yeah, essentially. What, what if we made the whole university out of the police departments? Yeah. Um, what are your pronouns and how do you say them? <laughs> uh, so, uh, uh, so Professor, Professor Goodwin goes on. My fear now with the onset of new terms, toxic masculinity, white privilege, uh, that these will become even more of a problem as we send a signal to white working class white communities that they're a problem. Eight new it's not terms. The system. Simple as. It's not the system more generally that has let them down. They are the problem and they should make amends for simply being who they are. Now, We've talked before about yeah, that's how what like that stuff means. well they talked before about right wing self talk right how Lawrence Fox got himself like in a heap of legal trouble because he blocked he basically... me on Twitter. Can I just say that? Sorry. Oh yeah, go for it. I don't know why he blocked me on Twitter. I've never had any contact with the man, but I just uh, I was trying to explain who he was to Danny the other day and my husband, and uh, he blocked me. Ah, what a snowflake. Yeah, yeah, I know. But... I was really proud. And you were enjoying his music as well. I know I was. <laughs> but... I found him on YouTube. I found it very yeah. moving. We we, mm. we we all love his song that's actually titled "They Want to Murder Your Opinion." Yeah, it was <laughs> it was right. so real, it was so soulful. A real song that's actually called that. But remember how that whole thing is like right wing self talk. I don't think and the, the, uh, now as, as far as I'm 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 aware. I I don't think that any anyone is um I don't think like uh uh, uh like Stuart Hall is saying that you know you have to go into um 
you know, a, a, a classroom in a deprived area of Lincolnshire and sort of force all of the young men to go in, like seven-year-old boys to go engage in like oh, cr- a, a, a sort of self-criticism struggle session. session. I am, I am, yeah. I personally mm. am leading the struggle sessions in Workington, where I will make yeah. you apologize to me for being white, even though I too am white. <laughs> yeah, that's um, right. And, and the idea, right, that it doesn't matter that none of this is the case. That's like saying that would happen in a management consulting firm, not in a school. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't matter that none of this is. It doesn't matter that that's not the case. It's that there's a, there has been a a level of right wing self talk about this stuff that they've all just told themselves what it is, and they all basically scare themselves by reading the Times and Spiked all the time. Mm. That like uh, a generation of young boys is being made to like do a yeah Maoist struggle session every day just for the crime of being white, which again is not happening. Yeah, and he uh, also- he's supposed to learn the periodic table, and now he's got to learn fifty genders as well. Where's he going to have time for that? I don't know why the Roman guy is now in the modern era. <laughs> Sorry, what is that, Grace? I have a titillating anecdote about Spike.com. If you're in the market, please, I am. We always are, baby. So, um, Andrew Doyle, you know who Andrew Doyle is, I presume. Oh, do we ever? Yeah, oh, yeah. The yeah. behind coolest, the- coolest guy I know. Coolest he was guy behind the comic uh, stylings of Titania McGrath. He's Absolutely. a fun, a funny guy. Um, McGraw. Yeah, he's a barrel of laughs, that guy. Um, and he was, in fact, my undergraduate tutor at Wadham <laughs> College, Oxford. And yeah. he was, at that time, writing a dissertation, which was, you know, very much about the kinds of, like, nonsense that we're now seeing from people um, like the, the, the bibliophage. It was very much like Foucault was a cultist. None of this makes sense. It was very committed to sort of um, old-school Thompsonian dogma and arguments that Trotskyists had with each other in the 60s. It was all quite um, boring even then, but he was, he was also quite sweet. And, and back in the day, this is the thing that is t- maybe a little more difficult to believe, he was genuinely quite cute. Um, he had mm. a sort of beautifully sort of twinkly blue eyes, and um, he wasn't out to his parents, and I, was, I found that sort of delightful as well. And, um, you know, I guess, I guess we just, we got on pretty well and we started, I wouldn't, we did we never, you know, he, he didn't cross any lines that would, you know, but, but we, we definitely like had tutorials in my bedroom and, um, we, de- <laughs> we definitely did things like he would, he would come into my bedroom and tell me about Shakespeare and I'd take him out for a drink at Hilo's on the, the Cowley road and then lambast him about, um, about his not being out to his parents and tell him that he was a coward. And he used to, he used to really enjoy that. And, um, and anyway, I don't know. I just think about that sometimes because, uh, you know, he has, this, he has this idea of university professors that, he, that comes up as sort of brainwashing. Um, anyway, you know, you can fill it in yourself, I suppose. Well, that was before he was I unleashed. I have fond memories of him. The truth of the matter is I'm genuinely quite sad about what's happened to him because um, when I, I tried to interact with him on Facebook, when I realized that Titania McGrath was him a couple of years ago, um, and I sent him a message saying, I don't know if you remember me, we used to have this kind of friendship. And he came back with, I mean, you know, I really try to be as open-minded as I can when I'm, when I'm engaging people who might disagree with. And um, he just sounded like a fucking idiot. He sounded just like someone who had had a party line stuffed so far deep inside their throat that they couldn't, you know, and get anything brain, brain out. The, br- the brain yeah, worms are barely and, even a joke at this point. No, and I, and, and, and I think like Grace really hits on the nail with, with a hits the nail on the head, which is um, that all of this is not. There is no kind of. I disagree with like the notion that 
um, these guys are like who are kind of uh, going after critical race theory, but also before we're going after everything that ranged from like gender theory to uh, like post like postmodernism was like another thing. A lot of mm-hmm. this is like encapsulated by like the James Lindsay's and the Helen Pluck roses of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of this really comes down to like getting mad online about posts all the time and getting so addicted to posting um, that you kind of like believe the real world is posting, yeah. and, but you have no opportunity but to get mad at it. And what's happened is that with the, with the, the critical race theory stuff, what what is really happening, because I think Riley mentioned it, I don't know any school that actually had a comprehensive like teaching program on critical race theory. Um, the university that I'm at at the moment, they have like a four-week module on critical race theory of which the last week is also argument against uh like the key co- the cortex of uh of uh, of uh, of CRT um and like this wasn't mandated this was just part of the course so like CRT is like a really marginal uh field of study even in kind of like established universities with like literature and philosophy programs and stuff like that what this was was like moral panic that developed pretty much entirely online got into the brains of people who like have nothing interesting to say about like Brexit don't really want to do the Trump stuff don't really have that anything that interesting to say about COVID-19 so they've just like made up this bullshit but they kind of coalesce around this bullshit yeah well like I I think not to keep gassing up Riley here but I think one of the more perceptive things I've heard said about transphobia was one of yours which was that once you're like that, you will never post normally again. And I, mm-hmm. I, I think that's absolutely the kind of the process of radicalization that we're seeing here too. It's just like these guys might have been quite nice once, and then they 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 just got this way, and now they're just doing this. And you know, you just assume my gender says so that you know they walk among us. Yeah. yeah, and the thing is, right? If you want to think about what 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 if you, I think the the key the key point here, right, or one of the many key points is that one of the core components of fascism is to assume is to uh, as your enemy is both laughably weak and uh very and very um and very easily dominated and mm-hmm. kind of a pussy but also terrifying and overwhelming and is threatening mm-hmm. to your civilization and these two things are held in the mind at once without contradiction because the only necessary thing is that the the force must always be moving. There must always be combat. Mm-hmm. And I mean, look, we're not we're not sort of there in the quite in the literal sense. Obviously, like there is, or well, we we are, but in this very sort of managed, diffuse way. But the mm. attitude is present in how this the idea about critic these these sort of quite esoteric forms of, of, of academic study that have become more mainstream in the last like several years, but mm-hmm. as they well should have. Um, because, and, 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 but that, that, that viewpoint is there because it's just the next front and there will always be another front. There will never be a last front mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. Um, because the, the, the prize for the prize for winning your prize for victory in the culture war, if you're the conservatives and you've just banned critical race theory from schools or whatever, is you get to find the next thing that you're going to ban yeah. until everyone lives in a drawing again. And ironically, the amount of critical race theory taught in school stays exactly the same. <laughs> Look, you get a lot of followers, right? You get a lot of followers from like finding more and more stuff to get mad mm. at. And then you mm. can get mad at having lots of followers because you don't have as many as Marcus Rashford, who quote tweets yeah. you saying, hey, maybe you should like 
like feed starving kids. And then you quote tweeting back saying, oh, well, you have like over a million followers and I only have 950,000. So actually you're cyber bullying me. And, and again, like one of the, one of the more like perceptive tweets is again, just a drill joke about jokes banned by 2020, sex banned <laughs> by 2025, a cop in every house by 2030. <laughs> But like, yeah. if you want, if you could integrate the the the, yeah. the meals. The one thing, who lets you do crimes. They could they could integrate the meals thing in this thing quite easily, which is, the, which is their the interest in the performance of like white working class boys at school is only of interest to the Tories so long as they can you they can say oh what we're gonna do actually is we're gonna we're going to ban anything that says uh, that as a fact that say Britain historically has like. Aided, that the British Empire was bad because it was white supremacist. You can't say that anymore because you have to propose an opposing view. And basically, right, I kind of see this as, uh, and I, I, I welcome challenge on this anyway as well, but I see this as a kind of beginning to bring back Section 28 by the back door, mm-hmm. where just for American listeners, Section 28 was the rule that you could not, quote, promote or approve of being gay in British schools. As a pretended family lifestyle, or as a pretended yeah. alternative to the family, I can't remember exactly how it was. Yeah. It was pretended family lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but you, but you can't, you couldn't do that, and it was repealed in about in the late nineties. But now, what's happening is with <laughs> two thousand defi- in Scotland. Oh right, but with the spikedification of like of you could say British cultural policy, because now the idea is you cannot criticize white people. It goes from, or you cannot criticize like. Um, you cannot you cannot criticize like uh, uh, cisgendered people because oh trans ideology is coming in or whatever. What that's doing is it's basically doing a kind of reverse Section Twenty Eight, where instead of saying oh we're not banning talking about being like trans or whatever, we're just saying you can't do anything that might hurt the feelings of very sensitive cisgender people. I keep right. going on about trans alpine go, but what about cis alpine go? <laughs> two two real places. <laughs> yeah, that's um, right. Sorry, Grace, you were saying. No, I was really enjoying the cis alpine joke. I was always yeah, making absolutely. the point that you know it's a, it's a little annoying that we we have cis we have trans as the term um, since the opposite of, of cis should be ultra and it only makes sense to have cis and trans when um, when, when 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 one is talking about the Alps uh, but in most situations mm-hmm. one would actually want to use ultra and I would much prefer to be an ultrasexual. <laughs> yeah. right, so right. There there are there are another sort of like sort of points here as well you can look at logically. One is one is that. Um, the, the what we're looking at is like the the British University and a group of pupils, like this favored white working class group. How boys, white working class boys, aren't progressing to university. But what at what point? At what point in the past is that being compared to? Because mm. modern British University was sort of codified as it was in what 1997. Look, the yeah. uh, the, like, the the sentimental appeal to an imagined past is one half of fascism. You just you gotta yeah. have it, and the mm. other half is the like revolutionary yeah. futurist tendency. And we kind of sort of have that, but we're kind of waiting for that other shoe to drop. Anyway, I'm sure yeah. it's going to be Back when fine. it was still Londinium. I mean, there was also yeah. like a decade where you had like government and oppositions basically saying that like white working class kids were being forced into university um and were forced to take on like all the especially with like the student loans and everything Mm. and that they should be doing like apprenticeships and stuff instead right so like after a decade of this being uh this being drilled in but like and by government ministers and by like ng like uh like quangos and stuff but like universities are not places where like white working class kids should go to 
all of a sudden now like mm. this is the fault of the social justice left because they're too busy like they're not talking about how great like the food was in Amritsar during the uh during the uh, uh during the sacking yeah but and mm. also right when um when for example it's very easy to hear uh, when non-white kids underperform in school mm. it's the fault of non-white culture and when white kids underperform in school it's the fault of what non-white academia mm-hmm. it seems like uh, nope, it's it's, it's, it's always... also the fault of non-white culture for some reason. Yeah, mm. the yeah it's, strange it's interesting. alchemy. And it, yeah. and when when you get beyond all of that culture stuff, it just you again you get back to the naked exercise of power mm. on behalf of an imaginary group whose needs are constantly shifting, but perfectly aligned with those of. Morrison. Yeah, I mean, what, what is it or like? Um, uh, in, in groups who the law protects but doesn't bind, and out groups who the law binds but doesn't protect. Yeah, yeah, but the law can teach them about critical race theory, so that's at least something. I'm so into this idea of simply becoming a cop in order to teach left wing um, theory. And like, also, this entryism is- on the one hand, and surely abduction and brainwashing on the other. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. With, so within the- and against the police. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so basically, I, I think this is something I'd, I'm. Very joke. Please clap. I'm, that's, I, know, that's I enjoyed good. that. I enjoyed that. Uh, so this is something I think I I'd like to continue talking about more. Uh, I think it's worth exploring because I think it's something that that also would be a site of resistance from teachers' unions and so yeah, we on. We need to do a so proper this is, academia episode. We need to have yeah. you back on, Grace. I'd be well, this delighted. Is, yes. This is this is not the last time um, you will hear us talk about this subject. I'd also I because like critical race theory is also so in the fore here, not just critical theory in general. I I think I also I would like to talk about like to some like critical race theory academics mm-hmm. as well. And so like we're, there's going to be more of this coming. Um. Anyway, trash future I, um, bodies and spaces. Yeah. Tra- mm. t- well, but trashes bo- and futures. Bo- bo- bodies bodies and spaces, but under I like at least I hope to think understanding mm. them in the context of the exercise of material power and not just treating and not just thinking about them uh, in themselves, uh, which I think is a waste of time. Mm. Uh, so anyway, uh, I want to say number one. I think we've been going for a while here. I want to say thank you very much to uh, Grace, our guest, who might have a little uh, something to plug. Oh, yes, I, I should have fucking written a plug. Thank you so much. This has been so much fun. Um, I've written a book. It's called Please Miss. I think it'll be coming out in early uh, 2022. Um, and it's going to be a memoir of gender transition and um, alcohol and drug recovery, those kinds of things. But it's also just mostly a series of pornographic jokes. <laughs> Again, Sounds this is, great. This is why we had to have you on. This is just like the, <laughs> the synchronicity here. Yeah. Um. And also uh, to thank you, the listener, for you, the listening. Mm. Um, mm. And to also uh, remind you that, uh, will there be shirts at this point? Are there any shirts? Uh-huh. Uh, keep it. We're going to be launching a web store yeah. for shirts and stuff. So just kind of watch this space. <laughs> a year later. Uh, yeah, I, mi- I <laughs> no, knew no, no, I would win that one soon, in the end. But like... No, a year, a year later from when we first started selling shirts. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so we're, yeah. So check out, check, check out for that. Um, and also remember, there's a Patreon, five yep. bucks a month. Uh, you can uh, subscribe our theme to song it. Is bury me with my golden arm. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it's by Corn. Uh, yeah, our theme song is also. If it's not that, it's Here We Go by Ginseng. You find it on Spotify. Listen to it early. Listen to it often. I think that's about all, all the plugs. Unless we want to do side side projects, 10k posts. Yeah, while there's your problem. Pussy. 
Yeah. Uh, the Russian podcast Milo does. Yeah, come listen to the Russian podcast. It's called Too Much. You can you, watch it on YouTube do now. Do you speak Russian? Yeah, listen to the Russian podcast. <laughs> do you not yeah, speak cool. Russian? Listen to it anyway and be mm. baffled. Yeah, actually, the, this week's one is really good because we interviewed the Russia's only openly gay TV comedian who's a cool and interesting guy. Oh, cool. He's also from Belarus, and we talked a lot about the Belarus stuff. Oh, very fun. Anyway, uh, I think that's it for, for us today. Uh, see you on the bonus episode uh, in a couple days. Later. Bye. 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 Thank you.